This is Your Partners in Pain, a podcast that aims to bring together those who live with pain, healthcare providers who treat chronic pain, and researchers working on topics that affect people living with pain. This podcast is a must-listen for anyone experiencing pain or anyone trying to help those who live with it. Your Partners in Pain is presented by the Saskatchewan Pain Society, also known as SAS Pain, and I am your host, Alexandria. Each episode, we are going to speak to Saskatchewan-based healthcare providers and researchers who have information and education to share about pain science and pain care. We are also going to speak with everyday people as they share their incredible stories of living with pain and the techniques they've used to help manage it and live well. It is important to note that the information presented in this podcast represents the opinions of the host and the guests that appear on the show and not that of SAS Pain. The content presented should not be taken as direct health care advice, but for informational purposes only. Because each individual is unique, please consult your healthcare provider for any questions or concerns you have, or before you incorporate any of the ideas presented in this podcast into your own treatment plan. For episode eight, we are speaking to the absolutely incredible and powerful pain patient and advocate, Dana Fessick, who has been living with multiple pain diagnoses for over a decade. Dana provides us with a very intimate, raw, and real look at what it is like to live with and try to manage chronic pain every day. As a content warning, this episode does discuss some very heavy and difficult topics around mental health and suicide, and we do have some explicit language mentioned near the end of the podcast. This is an amazing story of healing and living well with chronic pain, where Dana truly shows us the power and strength that comes with sharing your story, speaking your truth, and in her own words, taking the reins and standing up for yourself while on a pain journey. Hi, Dana. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I know we have a lot to get through, so we're just going to jump right in. Can you explain to listeners what sort of pain are you currently living with? Great. Um, Currently, my levels of pain have exponentially changed actually since last May um, to the betterment, um, which is quite shocking because I've lived with excruciating pain for 12 years, over 12 years uh, since my diagnosis. And um, it was it got to the point where it was just I didn't want to be here anymore. I just didn't. It was just that that. brutal each day was each existing existing day was exactly that I was existing not living and getting through each day was just so traumatic and it, it got literally to the point with it that I had no way to control it there was nothing that seemed to help in any way laying in bed screaming for hours at a time it got good that bad like it was it was excruciating and now um now things have dramatically changed since last May. Can you give us more of a picture of like, what kind of pain are you experiencing? Like, are there different sensations? Is there also emotional pain? Like what is all tied in with what you're experiencing? Okay. So CRPS. So complex regional pain syndrome is only one thing that I have. I also have fibromyalgia and I also have lipedema. So I have immense amounts of swelling that as a plus size person to begin with, I swell up to 
two times, three times my body size and back down within hours or days. It is extremely dramatic swelling. And with that, there's pressure on the nerves. And when that pressure happens on the nerves, now what starts is literally CRPS in particular is considered to be like a fire going through your whole system. So think of uh, a hot poker, basically, from a fireplace. Let's picture that for a second. And picture that being taken and shoved through the bottom of your foot throughout your entire body in one shot. It's just just a blazing fire that goes right through your whole system. And from that, the next thing that you feel is you go from hot to cold and back and forth. You can have times where the cold in particular makes me so like pain hypersensitive. I can't take a move without wanting to literally scream in pain. It can be that bad. You can feel like you've got ants literal ants, like when your leg goes numb or your arm goes numb, that type of feeling. But now picture that 24-7. These ants don't go away. They feel like they're eating you alive. They're under your skin. You're constantly feeling like there's something crawling on you. The pain is just that exquisite. And then, of course, the burning doesn't just stay in one spot. It fires on a constant basis. So a small movement or a whisper of air going across your skin or um, a blanket or a piece of clothing, anything can trigger this to be where you're, you're, you feel like you're coming unhinged. The pain is that like unimaginable. And when you look at it on the McGill pain skill, which is what they use as the measurement for not just CRPS, but most pain um, illnesses, you or any real pain measurement is the McGill scale, usually uh, speaking. And you, when you're looking at CRPS pain just by itself, you're looking at something that is considered to be like an amputation without any medication. That's what they say that that pain is. And I can pretty much attest to that's what it feels like. It's, It's really horrific. You feel trapped, literally trapped within this pain matrix in your body. And to get out of that, it, it takes it, it's taken me 12 years to get to the point that I could find any form of relief, like truly any form of relief. Water in a shower coming down and hitting me was just, it felt like it was tearing the skin off my, off my body. It's just that painful. It's like um, putting myself in a microwave and being cooked from the inside out. That's like a really good visual. It's absolutely brutal. It really is a, a brutal, brutal pain. Most people that I'm aware of for CRPS in particular, you're almost always put on nerve pain, what they consider nerve pain. So they start you on things like Lyricar, Gabapentin, or or other ones that are supposed to help with that neuropathy pain. With CRPS, you are in pain and all of these sensations are happening in your body, but it's a signal in your body that's causing it. It's just a signal. So what you're experiencing is very real. And every sign and symptom that you're experiencing is very real, but it's because it's a signal. That's not something a medication can fix that signal. It's, it's a, it's a hardwired thing. I mean, then the only way to really kind of get around it is to reroute and go around it and to get around it. Then you're talking neuroplasticity. You're talking rewiring of the mind and the brain and the body to be able to rework it and get it to be where it remembers a time that there was no pain. And then working your way back to where there, there's like a plane of, of um, ease and movement. And, it, and that 
that is, it's all inner work. It Medication can't touch that. You've got to face it. You've got to face it dead on and you can't run from it. You've just got to sit with your pain, figure it out, realize what's causing all the triggers. Go back and look at, okay, that caused that trigger. Well, clearly I'm not going to do that again, but what could be a potential fix for that one trigger? I keep a literal logbook of everything. Every trigger, whether it's a food trigger, whether it's a, a heat or cold tr- trigger, whether it's stress is the main trigger for almost everything. And with CRPS, that's that's not a joke. It, it is so, if you don't manage your stress, you are asking for all untold amounts of hell coming down on you for pain. It is brutal, just brutal. So that touches into what you're saying with the emotional aspect. Your Everything is so heightened. Your pain is heightened. Your sensitivity is heightened. Your nervous system is a hot mess. You're, you, because you can't get on top of it with your mind unless you put in that inner work. Your mind is running wild with, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Like you're, you're constantly in that state of hypersensitivity. What is my day going to be? You can't plan anything because you never know what your body is going to do that day. It's like a Russian roulette of, of pain. And it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. So that, that gives you a pretty good picture of what just that is. The body's a magnificent thing, really, when you think about it. But, oh, my God, it's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. And that's another component is the fatigue, the level of fatigue, the amount of, of sleep you need or the amount of time you need to work on these problems each day. It's a 24. It's a full time job just taking care of yourself, really. Dana, that is a lot. That's a lot. That was like an absolutely beautiful and vivid explanation of it. Cause I don't think I've ever heard something so thorough and honest. So thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. And I know a lot of the parts that you're mentioning are absolutely going to resonate with other people, whether that's the exhaustion or just, you know, trying to manage and figure out, well, what did I do yesterday or today that made me feel like this right now? And trying to manage that is such a mental game, but also, as you said, there is change. Neuroplasticity, which is something we hope to get into really in depth um, in one of our podcast episodes coming up, is an incredible thing. And I know you have had improvements in the last little while. And I want to hear more about what are some of the things that you've been doing in order to help um, do that inner work or manage your pain or just make you feel better overall. And I know in one of our last episodes, we had somebody come on and tell us all about how you did an art therapy session with them and how fascinating and amazing it was. So I just want to hear more about what have you been doing now since you've been starting to feel better? That's really helped you. Okay. Uh, Yes. I'll break it down like this last, um, not this September that just passed, but the one before. So 2020 September, I had a really bad fall and that actually brought me to the break of mental health, which I'll touch on as well. But in doing that, I got in contact with CPAS, and CPAS basically caught me a band of angels that came to save me. And in going through the band of angels, one of them was uh, Taylor at Mac IOPS, which you might be familiar with. And Taylor was my saving grace. She truly was my saving grace that started, like everybody on the team has done immense to be immense amounts of work to help me get to where I am. But Taylor was my, my one because she was my pain manager. And it was, it's, we, I'm not for medication. I really don't believe it is the only way. 
And if I were to actually go down that road with you, you would see how much I've been through with that, um, with, with, with prescription addiction and all the things that went with it that never worked. What was beautiful with Taylor was that she spent the time. She actively listened. She actively heard. And we worked through what would work for me because in the end, when medication doesn't, and she's sitting there and she's going to be my medicated uh, person that's my pharmacologist that's going to say, this will work for you or this won't. And I'm saying, I don't want medication. She's like, well, what do you want me to do? Because basically that's her thing. So we worked through that. And in working through it, we came across a lot of things. And one of the things she suggested was just out of the blue one day, she says, well, what are you taking for vitamins? And I said, I'm not. I said, and why does that matter? And she said, well, your wounds, you said your wounds aren't healing. And I said, they're not on my legs for lipedema and like that. And she said, well, you're, you got, you should be on something. What have they suggested for you? I said, who, who is suggesting? And she said, the healthcare team. And I said, no one has suggested anything. And she says, well, hold on a second. She said, there is a component of a tree, a, a trilogy, basically of medications that help your wounds heal from the inside out. And you should be on that. She said, I'm going to text my person right now that knows about that. And I'm going to tell you what they are. And we found out what they are. And we started me on a vitamin regimen, long story short. And from that vitamin regimen, we seen massive gains immediately with my CRPS. My pain levels started to come down because the inflammation started to come down in my body. When that inflammation started to come down, there was less pressure on the nerves. And that heightened sense of everything I was experiencing started to come down and get under control. My moods started to change. So my depression, which I'm also manic depressive and bipolar with, this, with bipolar disorder, both started to be more manageable because I wasn't, again, in that state of constant anxiety and stress and all of it. Um, and we came up with this, this, this vitamin regimen of all things that started the turn for me. And that turn happened in May last year. So from May last year, last year, when I had my fall, I was taking up to, I'll say it, I'll be blunt. I was taking up to 18 Tylenol a day, extra strength Tylenol a day, way over the recommended dose. I was taking copious amounts of muscle relaxants because to keep the muscles relaxed so that the nerves weren't firing and to keep my anxiety under control, which was also helpful. And then I was bathing in Voltaren, literally like bathing in it and nothing was under control with that. But we start this vitamin regimen and suddenly, oh my God, inflammation's coming down. All these things are happening. So we stuck with it. And now we've got me on vitamin D, huge amounts of vitamin D. We've got me on massive amounts of vitamin C. We've got me on calcium, magnesium, and it has a, also another component of vitamin D. We have me on a multivitamin. And suddenly I have, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I rehabbed enough that I got out of my house for the first time in years. And I drove my truck. I actually was able to rehab enough to get out and get mobile and get out because I'm in a basement suite. Last year at Christmas time, we were trying to put a stair chair lift in. This year for Christmas, I did 106 stairs in two days to get up and down to see my family. That's how dramatic of a difference this has been. So stress levels, managed stress levels, it's huge. 
It's absolutely huge. Um, vitamin regimen, for God's sakes, ask somebody and find out what works for you, your individual, because it's so different for everybody. Your next thing, if pain medication is not working for you, or even if it is, get on a set schedule and don't get off of that schedule. Don't, don't say, oh, I'll take it this day, but I don't feel like taking it that day or stick with whatever schedule you're on because it makes a difference. The third thing is pacing. I've not talked about pacing yet, but it's huge. If you've got something like this, an interview planned, my whole day was planned around. I had a cleaner come in this morning. I had a break. I had home care come in and give me my booster shot for COVID. Yay. I had a break. I had a chance to have a bite to eat. I had a chance to lay down again. I had a chance to get some fluids in me. And then I was able to do this. It's pacing. It's huge. It keeps your stress levels down, mitigates a lot of problems. So that getting out fresh air, even in the minus 46 degree weather, had my window cracked. I haven't had my window cracked in years. I haven't been able to have it open in the winter. But my physio said to me, she said, you got to make nice with the weather. She said, you're stuck indoors for six, six months of the year. Make nice with it. I said, I don't want to. <laughs> I fought her every step of the way, but she held firm. And I get fresh air every day. This summer, this last summer, I spent almost the entire summer out in my backyard. Because that's where we rehabbed, was out in the backyard. Just these things are essential if you want to start. And more than that, you have to face it. You cannot sit there and say, I'm in pain and not do anything about it. You have to take the reins. You have to, as Taylor says, drive your own bus. You absolutely have to. And in doing that, you have to advocate for yourself. You can't just have people coming left, right, and center and saying, I'm going to put you on this. Mm, why do I have to be on that? Is it something I want to be on? And are there alternatives? And one of the alternatives for me is art therapy. If I'm not going to be on medication, then I have to find a way to get that pain level down in a quick manner and under control. And I do that with art therapy. So what I do is I use it as a distraction method, a flat out full on distraction method. As soon as I see, feel anything going wrong, any pain level starting, I grab a notebook, I grab a big pen, I grab, I, I'll doodle. I'll smush paint around, which I think you guys have seen me on art therapy, smush and paint. I will do almost anything to keep my mind creatively engaged, which gives you that flow. And what that flow is all about is it's taking it down to a very simplistic time. It's a simple task and your mind is simply engaged. And it basically takes you from your pain state and reboots your mind and reboots your body and cuts that damn signal out that says you're in pain, you're in pain, you're in pain. And as soon as you've got that distraction happening, suddenly you're in that state of flow. And when you're in that flow, I can be in that flow for hours and I don't feel a single bit of pain. I literally can ascend above that pain. And it's immense. And that has nothing to do with medication. That has to do with the inner work and keeping yourself fully engaged in something that can pull you literally out of that state of pain and give you the relief that you're looking for. So it's immense. Art therapy has been with me my whole life. It's always controlled by manic depression and bipolar. I've never once been medicated for it, and I've had it since I was a teen. I'm not saying medication is a bad thing because there's so many people that do require it. 
And if you need it, for God's sakes, do it. Do what you need to do for you. It's individually based. It doesn't, it won't replace anything like that, but it certainly can be an additive. It can be a massive positive gain for you in with art therapy. Any distraction method like that can be. Absolutely. And this is just like so incredible. Dana, I didn't know much of this about you when we were talking and getting ready for this interview. And I am astounded, like all the progress that you've made, all the different things that you've tried, and especially how you advocated for yourself. Because I do think that a lot of people fall into that trap where they go, they try to talk to somebody, try to get help. They are pushed medication. And if like you, also like me, if you're not somebody that wants to be on medication as your first line, what other options are there? So knowing that something like art therapy and those helpful distractions, which doesn't need to be art, it can be things like walking out in nature. It can be connecting mm-hmm. with your pet. It can be going to a support group. Like those things I personally feel are so much more important than just targeting that pure physiology every time. But as you said so perfectly, each person is different. Lots of medications help a ton of people. And that's why you just have to have that ongoing dialogue with your care provider to say, these are my goals. This is what I will and will not do. Let's figure it out together. It's really, really essential that you do that advocating for yourself, because I have to tell you, Alexandra, my first medical team, when I was first diagnosed, they failed me completely. They completely failed me. They told me my diagnoses. They told me I will have a bleak life. They told me I would be in a wheelchair within a year of my diagnosis. They told, by the way, I'm still walking with a walker and my goal is to get off that walker by spring or summer at the very least. And I know with the physio that I'm working with, I can do this. They, I've, I've never been in a wheelchair yet. So it, that they told me at, at the pain center that I was at at the time, believe it or not, they told me this. They said, because I was refusing all the medications, they had nothing for me. And what I should do is get a, a rocking chair to rock in to calm my parasympathetic nervous system and hold on to either an animal or a stuffed animal for comfort and that I'd have a very bleak future. And then I was left twisting in the wind with every one of my diagnoses. No one listened to me when I said I had the pain that I had. And when they did, they immediately said, it's in your head. I had all these symptoms. Not one believed me. One thing that I really wanted to touch on as you were speaking about all this is that you mentioned um, suicidality previously as something occurring for you on this journey. And I think that a lot of people don't realize just how taxing and desperate and hopeless feeling it can be trying to manage chronic pain. So thank you so much for sharing that experience with us. And you're also not the first guest on the podcast to say that, which I think really surprises people. And it's something that I've experienced personally myself while struggling to manage my own chronic pain, just truly wanting to end your own life because that was preferable and easier than trying to figure out what was going on with me. Um, Practitioners were either shrugging me off or not giving me the options I needed, a lot like your own situation. Um, And even if you don't have that complex of a case, that idea that, oh, well, it's in your brain because we can't find something structural. But the thing is, like, yes, it is in the brain to a degree because that's your nervous system. 
it's all these things firing. Everything is controlled and centralized in the brain, but that does not diminish the fact that what we are experiencing is incredibly real and it causes suffering and we need help. So given all of this, like from the patient perspective, what do you wish you could say specifically to clinicians who are treating pain? I would say, get your head out of your ass and don't be so stuck on such a narrow-minded view of this is only one way to approach this. Honestly, it pisses me off beyond all measure that people come at pain and not just pain, but the component that they don't think of is the grieving. I was working as a career person. I had four jobs at the time of diagnosis. I lost them all. I was told I had to leave every one of them because of my pain. I lost every one of my circle of friends because they didn't know how to deal with my pain. They literally said, I cannot cope with your pain and left. I was in a relationship. He left because he could not stay with my pain. I lost my mom and my dad back to back. I lost two therapy dogs and I lost my brother all while dealing with my chronic pain. The grieving was so immense and so deep that when I had my fall, a year and a half ago, I didn't see a way out. I wanted peace and I wanted comfort and there was nothing for me. That's what they don't see. They don't see it. And it pisses me off because they look at it and it's so, it's so one singular focus that they have. Medicate and get you out of the office. And if you don't want that, they have no options. There's so many options. When I went, and I tried to get looked at for other things, alternatives. No alternatives were offered for me. No alternatives. There's not just art therapy. There's there's uh, therapy in general. There is uh, music therapy. There's animal therapies. There's Reiki. There's all sorts of alternatives out there. Nothing was offered for the pain that I was experiencing. Nothing. Let alone even the basic thing of saying, you're a human being. You're suffering and you are in pain in how many ways? And they're saying, you've got this and it's all in your head and basically get over it. You have to get over it. You have to work through it and you're not experiencing pain to the level that you're saying. I was in fact even told in these exact words, you, there is no way you are experiencing pain to that degree. When you're told that, what else are you to do? That's a medical professional that's supposed to know their shit to be perfectly blunt they're supposed to know their 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 career and profession down to it and they're telling you that there's no way that what you're experiencing is happening if they're not going to believe me and they're in the position to know then where am i going to get answers and i can't stress this enough the biggest thing is the thing of actively listening and active hearing taylor has got it in spades i swear to god i told her if i could bottle her and get her out there, I would do it in a heartbeat. It is the thing that turned me around. It's what stopped me from committing suicide because she actively listened, actively heard, and actively partook in finding me something that would work for me rather than medication, which I was adamantly against. I didn't see an answer in that way. I said, get me a platform, Taylor. I said, you've got the ear of how many people in your profession, get me a platform. And she got me in touch with Dr. Susan Tupper. My whole life changed. Because again, someone was actively listening and actively hearing. It is so hard enough 
to deal with pain and deal with grief and deal with all of it. But it's even worse when you can't be heard. If anyone out in medical wants to know what to do, listen, listen to what the person's saying. Hear them. You can do wonders if you just hear them. If you just take those minutes to actually listen, things have to change. And that's why these, the podcast and Partners in Pain and all these avenues, they're so important. Art therapy is so important. People have to know, even in the group for Partners in Pain webinar, there were there were people got back to me and said, I never knew I could do something for my pain. They never knew they had the, the, the power themselves because they're so used to being told, this is all that's out there, or this is what we need you to do. You have to stand up for yourself. You know, they offered me four surgeries to fix the signal that's wrong in my body. And they gave me a 30% chance that it would work and a 70% chance that it would cause me to be a quadriplegic. And when I said no, they were beside themselves. They said, how can you turn this down? Are you kidding me? I might be in pain, but I'm still walking. And that's where we lose our voice because they're hitting us with, you have no choice. This is what you have to follow. People have to realize they can fight for themselves. They can advocate. They do have a voice. They have to take the reins. They have to drive their own bus. What I've been through has value. And I can cause it to be where there's a lot of people that don't have to go through the same battles and shit that I had to. And if I can do that for even one person, my life is worth it. They stole my purpose. Because they told me it was going to be that bleak of a life I just gave up. And that's what everybody does. This amount of people that are medicated to the eye teeth. And it's not just that. There's more than that. They don't fight for themselves. They just take it by, by word that the, the doctor that is telling them because the doctor knows. They don't always know. You might not have the answer either. But for Christ's sakes, keep looking. And work with me to find the answer. you got to, you know partners in pain. Exactly. It's bringing me back to life. It's given me an avenue to connect with community and say, this is not okay. There are ways, there is a light. We have to find it together. Dana, you are incredible. You are so strong. You are so powerful. And your life is just getting better and better because you've taken your power back with everything that was taken away from you while you've been on a healing journey. And I am so grateful that you are here, that you are sharing your story and it's going to inspire so many damn people. And I'm so happy that you were willing to come and talk with us today because you are amazing. So please don't ever change. I won't. I won't. I've got, I've got, I've got the wheel firmly in hand and I'm, I'm not letting go. <laughs> Well, good. I'm so glad. And I know you are involved in advocacy work currently. Um, as Dana said, she is really heavily involved with a lot of the different research activities, um, the resources that are available through SAS Pain. And I'm urging everybody to go and check out uh, Dana's art therapy session, which I am going to post a link for so that you can learn more all about what we were talking about today. But because this is a Saskatchewan based podcast, would you be willing to tell us what is one of your favorite things about living here in Saskatchewan? Uh, I can tell you I love the river. Um, the Saskatchewan River brings me immense peace. Walking the, pa- the trails and the paths brings me immense peace when I'm able to do it. I absolutely love the summers. I love the heat. 
I love the beauty that the city has to offer. There's so much beauty. You just got to look, take yourselves away from your computer screens and your, your, all your busyness and sit in your backyard and look up at a tree and see the leaves fall and on a be- beautiful, bright summer day. It's one of the most beautiful places. It is. It truly is. And I don't think anybody will ever disagree unless they haven't been here. And if they haven't, they are completely missing out because we have some incredible people here in Saskatchewan, just like Dana. So I want to thank Dana so much for coming and joining us today. You have been incredible. And I can't wait to see more of what you're doing to help change pain care in our province. So thank you. You're most welcome. Thank you for listening to Your Partners in Pain, a podcast for people experiencing pain and those who help individuals living with pain. Funding for this podcast was provided by the Saskatchewan Community Initiatives Fund and the Saskatchewan Pain Society. For more information about our organization or to find additional resources, please find us on social media at SaskPain or visit our official website, www.saskpain.ca.